Hello, folks. Dr. Maurice Selby here, medical director, producer, and co-host of Health in Harlem on WHCR 90.3 FM and the Health in Harlem podcast. While we strive to bring you the most up-to-date, reliable, evidence-based information to help you live the healthiest life possible, this show does not substitute for an evaluation by a trained and licensed medical professional. It is highly recommended that any advice or recommendations on medications, treatments, nutrition, fitness, preventive services, etc. be implemented under the guidance and supervision of your primary medical provider or appropriate specialist. With that said, we hope that you enjoy and learn from our program, and please be sure to let us know how we can best serve you in future shows. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen of the listening audience. My name is Maurice Selby. My name is Reed. And my name is Anastasia. And you're listening to the one and only Health in Harlem on WHCR 90.3 FM New York, the voice of Harlem and the Health in Harlem podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, this is going to be a whole episode of airing it out. We are essentially talking about celebrities, their big mouths, their big platforms, going to talk about some COVID misinformation, specifically COVID vaccine misinformation that is out there as a result of our favorite personalities. And so with that said, we're going to jump right in. So yeah, man, they got big mouths. And I don't think that's that bad, to be frank. You know, I have a big mouth. Unfortunately, I don't think I have the platform. Neither of us really on this show um, have the platform. I mean, we have health in Harlem, right? And we have our listenership. And I think through our listeners, right? Ladies and gentlemen, we strongly encourage you what you learn on the program. We always say that week in, week out, right, to share what you learn um, on the program. And so we have a platform through that, right? But um, unfortunately, the megaphone that comes with a certain celebrity status, whether it's for notoriety or for um, positive purposes, right, the fame and everything, um, unfortunately, we don't have that, man. And yeah, unfortunately, um, these voices kind of uh, outweigh ours, but we're still not giving up. And that's why we're going to attack some of the things that we've been seeing cropping up uh, regarding COVID and the COVID vaccine. I have a lot of things yeah. to say. I'm just waiting. <laughs> mm, you're just waiting, like going to explode with all of this stuff. So I'm actually going to start with, uh, and actually what really got me personally on on my mind to do this particular show was uh, recently Aaron Rodgers. I think everybody's probably heard this, or at least if you're a football fan, you heard about what happened. And he actually came out just a few days later, right um, after this uh, interview that he did uh, with Pat McAfee on the Pat McAfee show. Um, it is a a talk show. He was on there and really just went all out talking about him um, being diagnosed with COVID-19 and not being uh, vaccinated. And it was an explosive interview. I mean, I saw this all over social media, all over sports media, even in like the New York Times, it was like a front page news type of thing. Um, But I think for good reason, right? In that um, not only (laughs) did Rogers have a big mouth with this, but he has that platform. And in that interview, there was a lot of 
misinformation, um, a lot of misinformation. But he actually came out just yesterday and said, um, this is quote in another interview. I understand that this issue in general is very charging to a lot of people because we are talking about public health. I totally respect that, Rogers said. I made a decision that was in the best interest based on consulting with my doctors. And I understand that not everybody is going to understand that necessarily, but I respect everybody's opinion. You know, Rogers aired it out. He has no apology for it. I can't blame him, actually, at least when it comes to his opinion. If anything, I would even argue that he is the victim of pretty much everything that we've been railing against on Health in Harlem each and every week when it comes to misinformation and disinformation um, out there. Definitely. I think like kind of the, the public response to it is also not conducive to understanding where that misinformation came from. Mm. So meaning like when somebody says something like Aaron Rodgers did and the public outrage and outcry is like, oh my God, I can't believe you said that you're crazy vaccines like are totally safe, et cetera. I feel like that kind of pushes the person who's getting criticized to sort of back their own opinion even more. And especially celebrities, we all know celebrities sometimes have pretty fragile egos. Um, And so when they're attacked like that, uh, they sort of like back their own opinion. Then you have Aaron Rodgers being like, in my mind and in my world and with my doctors, I was right. Uh, Versus sort of like taking it as an opportunity to educate people, I think. Uh, sort of the anger and the frustration about all the misinformation tends to boil over. I feel like sometimes at the end, uh, the misinformation isn't addressed and almost gets more traffic uh, because it's very much like a, it's one or the other. Um, there's no sort of like meeting of the minds. Mm. And, you know, hey, where did this misinformation come from? What may have caused this? Um, and well, you know, one thing too, and um, Reed, you touched on something really important because... One thing that's been continually shown in a lot of the research that is coming out of this, right, especially with social media um, and looking at how information spreads, um, not just on social media, but we're talking about even online in general. Um, one thing that's that's come up repetitively is that one, misleading information, false information travels much faster than actual like fact-based information. And when you confront people, right, that mm-hmm. share these different views, in this case with Aaron Rodgers, right, they, when you confront them exactly as Reed said, sort of in this attacking way, like, how could you? This is totally wrong, but they dig in. That's one thing that has been continually shown over and over again is that when you uh, mm-hmm. approach people in this way, it's kind of in like an adversarial manner, right, that they dig in, they entrench themselves in those beliefs. Uh, making it even more difficult to reach them or at least have a conversation about like my questions to Aaron Rodgers. Well, who are your doctors? <laughs> like, what, what are their qualifications? Where were they coming from? What was their reasoning? What were the methods? Um, what and then in the end, of course, what information or what, you know, primary scientific information, primary literature is this based on? Um, that's that's where where it would really um where I, I really wanted to come to a better understanding as to what happened, you know? I mean, there's also the way that you say something, right? One of the consequences of 
having a big platform is that you have to put more than like a five second thought to the way you phrase things. First of all, I'm not a football. Okay, there don't don't come after me. I'm not a he, You don't know Aaron Rodgers? Okay, I do know who he is, but the only reason I do is that because oh. he's old and still playing. Okay. Um So if Aaron Rodgers wait, Aaron Rodgers is my age. For a professional athlete that didn't retire. Yo, you just <laughs> called me old, bro. You saw that read? I mean, we do broadcast on the radio. It's okay though. Okay, I'm not gonna on. take it personal now. <laughs> hold on. Thank God we don't do. Thank God we don't do like a video <laughs> version of the show, so people can't see how old I look. And yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I call like, it mature. No, okay. So he is older than average mature, and still mature. a professional athlete, like mm-hmm. getting paid to like be a quarterback. Okay, so that's that's the reason why I know him. Um, he's above average age. Let me go. So he's area. relatively old. Yeah. I said in regards to his profession. Okay, there. <laughs> that's 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 a good way of saying it. Um, and no, like it's, it's how you get your message across, right? Like you are someone whose words will reach across the world, um, thanks to social media. Um, and you have it, it's your responsibility to, um, actually really be conscious of what message you're portraying, even in an indirect way. So he came on after, right? Because like I didn't know about the whole controversy until I started seeing his name everywhere on social media. And then he uh, he claims that the reason he hasn't gotten the vaccine is because he's supposedly allergic to an ingredient to the Moderna and Pfizer vaccine, and he was scared of the side effects from Johnson Johnson vaccine. Which is like okay, fair, but the way that he like claimed that he was immunized back mm-hmm. in August. Oh yeah, we're going to get kind in of also like threw everything into a loop. And like I understand why people were just very confused about what's going on at first and kind of in uh, reacting in the way that they are because it's like that was misleading in my opinion. Like you can't say you're immunized like immunized back in August. And now all of a sudden you test positive for COVID and then you come out saying, oops, sorry, guys, I'm actually not vaccinated. This would be a very good case study in communication. <laughs> communication <laughs> right? is imperative. Um, immunized and, and sort of that definition. But we're going to get into it. And that's essentially, ladies and gentlemen, the purpose of this program tonight is that we on Health in Harlem, we are going to go head to head with the celebrities dishing out dog doo-doo information. I don't want to curse, right? And the purpose of this, right? This is the purpose of airing it out, right? We're airing it out. We are going to just get all of this nonsense, this polluted um, sort of information sphere that we're all in. And we're going to try our best to clear up some of the misconceptions uh, and misinformation there. You know, this is not for the typical health in Harlem listener. And I would say, right, because if you if you've been following us for some time on this program, I am 99% sure that you are vaccinated. Unless you just like the sound of our voices or just enjoy the program and our wonderful personalities, which I really enjoyed them. Um, I'd find it hard to believe that you've been listening to this long to this program and have not been vaccinated. Um, and so I, I can't say it's not for this listener, but it is. If you're that person, then like, please hit us up. Hit us like, up. Tell us why. Yeah. Please. Yeah. That's wild. But it, I mean, and, and it is for the typical health in Harlem listener, right? We do want you to listen to the rest of the program. Um, yeah. But I would say that this is probably because I know that you 
um, probably encountered somebody, either a friend, family member, coworker, um, the person that sneezed next to you on the train, right, that is not vaccinated, that could use maybe some help or at least clearing up some of the things that might be that they might have engaged as far as information, right? And so this can be useful for you, even if you're vaccinated. Um, what we're going to get into can maybe arm you to help, you know, get individuals on a better page when it comes to making an informed decision, a truly informed decision about um, getting vaccinated. With that said, I think we really need to jump into the difference between misinformation and disinformation, especially when we talk about uh, sort of everything that's happening. You know, what I said about Aaron Rodgers being a victim in all of this, um, I really do think he is. And I think that's part of the reason why he was so sort of resolute in, and in what he said, right, in that he is a victim of the information that is out there, unfortunately, um, some of the misleading stuff uh, that is out there. There is a big difference between misinformation and disinformation. Misinformation, uh, if we begin to really just talk about the intent, right, um, there is many times where misinformation is an intention to help a person, right, to actually get them good information, reliable information. Um, unfortunately, this information can be mm -hmm. wrong or, right, so flat out false or misleading, misinterpreted, um, mistaken in some way versus disinformation, which is something that is willfully put out there um, many times for malintent, right? They want to harm people. I don't think that's the majority of times. Or there's an ulterior motive um, that benefits that individual or person or group that is putting out disinformation. And so how popular is this really in terms of misinformation that's out there? Yeah, definitely. I mean, if you're a Health and Harlem listener, you hear us, especially lately, every single show talk about misinformation. Um, but how often do you usually encounter it in your day-to-day -day life? Um, the answer is a lot more common than you might think. There's numerous instances of dangerous medical misinformation. Um, even those links about between measles, mumps, the MMR vaccine, uh, and autism that have been debunked long ago uh, are still pretty prevalent in articles posted online. Um, in fact, almost half of articles posted online are deemed somewhat problematic. Um, and an analysis of YouTube videos about COVID-19 showed that about 25% of topic videos contain misleading information. Uh, these aren't videos that are saying, don't get vaccinated, here's why. These are sometimes videos that are trying to convince you to get vaccinated that may have some unintentional misleading information in them. Um, and this 25% this is really big, especially when you realize that most of the uh, misinformation shared on other social media platforms is actually just links to YouTube videos. Um, so those YouTube videos are really, really getting around all, uh, all across mm. the board, all across social media. Um, and because of that, physicians are starting to share their experiences and they're all sort of noticing that, uh, they're spending an increasing amount of time, especially primary care physicians, uh, talking to their patients about misinformation. If you're watching CNN or something where information is 
a little bit more vetted, not necessarily, I mean, CNN may not be a great example for that, uh, but something out of like a more legitimate news outlet where the information is more vetted, then you your information is more reliable. But two thirds of Americans get their, their news from at least one social media outlet. Um, and that information doesn't go through the same vetting that uh, more proper journalism would go through. And when we talk about, right, this dichotomy between misinformation and disinformation, again, many times, right, we talk about individuals sharing information, uh, friends and family, for instance, right? One can have good intentions and still share information that is either not entirely correct, false, or misinterpreted. Um, again, with disinformation, the intent is a big problem because you're either trying to hurt somebody or taking advantage of uh, people. But when we look at them, right, it sounds like disinformation would be the bigger problem, right? That would be the one where you're like, yo, willfully, people are trying to profit off of, you know, selling snake oil um, and advising mm -hmm. against vaccination, saying, no, 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 don't get that. Just buy this snake oil from 1995 off of my website <laughs> because the vaccine is not going to help you. I argue that misinformation can be more problematic when you really think about it. And this is because of that lack of ill intent, right? I think uh, for many people, they can distinguish, right? The the uh, phony salesman that's like, yo, buy this snake oil um, versus, you know, if you mm -hmm. heard your grandma say that the vaccine is going to give you a six toe, you have to ask yourself, well, when has she led me wrong, right? What, uh, what if it's your spouse? What if it is a valued colleague? or multiple colleagues in some place like many police departments um, in this country. We've seen the, the controversy, right? The battles between um, police and police unions and some of the city governments, local governments um, around the country. It might be a valued um, local official, right? That is talking about stories he's heard about people that have been vaccinated um, and bad outcomes. What if it is a hall of fame bound sports legend, right? Um, and they are putting this information out there um, for everybody to see, including fans um, and everybody that buys all of the products that market to them, right, mm -hmm. with the, this person's face on them. That's where I think the, the bigger problem is, because it is easy to look at these uh, stories, these anecdotes, um, these experiences, experiences of those around us, or at least the experiences that they've read about right, or consumed through media like YouTube. Uh, it's easy to believe them, right? It's easier to believe that and buy into it and say, to, well, if that's their decision based on that information, then I'm going to make a similar, right? Or come to a similar conclusion. Um, and that's where this is especially harmful. Um, just this sort of, this misinformation um, that spreads really because we're all in a way trying to help each other when you think about it. Um, so that's that's one thing that uh, we really need to understand that, you know, as much as we want to trust those around us, um, especially the ones closest to us, when we're going through this information or having these conversations, we do have to be careful about what we're being told. Right. Um, and so one of the things and you can ask my wife about this, like she'll say something that she heard or and it's not just regarding vaccines, that this is like anything that happens. Right. Shows up on social media. And she'd be like, yo, this is this went down. And I'm like, well, where'd you hear that? That's always the question I have to ask myself. Wait, where's that coming from? Um, or at least I have to look 
at the the thing for myself and and sort of figure out where is this information coming from? What is the source? Um, what is the intent behind it? Right? Is this coming from a reputable news organization like Reed was saying, where the vetting process is much and they're not perfect, right? We know that they're not perfect. Um, because there is misinformation that comes from mainstream media sources um, and reputable news organizations well, um, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, things that can be misinterpreted even by the best, you know, science reporters um, and, and research reporters. Sometimes things can get, be put out in a way that is that can be easily be misunderstood. Um, but we always have to step back. I think it's a healthy thing to step back and say, well, where's that coming from? And let me try to get to the source myself to figure out the truth right? The actual truth. I mean, that works both ways, yeah. right? We have an obligation to one, check what other people tell us, even if they are the ones that we trust, as well as check ourselves before we say anything. Going back and saying like, where did that come from? That stems both of when you're listening to something and when you're actually going out of your way to figure out what you believe is right. So it's not a matter of like mm. um, grandma or like someone that you value and think is more intelligent or more well-versed than you is saying something, then you believe them blindly. It's also, what are you saying to others? That's also yes. the other side of it. It's like, yes. it's like, it's not a one-way street, right? Because everyone communicates with one another. Everyone shares information with one another. So it's a matter of us being careful on both sides of it. And I think that this is like a second pandemic we're definitely going through. Like one, we have COVID and the second one is this with misinformation. And it sucks, right? Because these are the people you trust. So uh, it's it's definitely harder to hit and to correct because it's also like, how do you go about telling the person that you trust and respect that they're wrong in a way that will change their opinion and mm. not lead to a falling out? That's also a thing that's going on because as Reed mentioned mm-hmm. before, it's like if you attack someone, they're just going to hold on to what they think and think that they're correct. So there's also that communication um, challenge that needs to be resolved as well. It's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> no, that's an understatement. A lot of the time people will sort of weigh the information they see online more than the information you may be saying to them that you've also read online, but something coming from you as a person. Um, So if you're getting nowhere, maybe try recommending, hey, have you checked out, you know, this podcast, like NPR has a really good podcast on this, like maybe you would check that out. And maybe it would help and help. Exactly. You know, (laughs) (laughs) I like that. (laughs) But uh, something like that, sort of uh, recommending that they follow up um, and do a little bit more of their own research. And also, I think just being careful with our quote unquote own research, we talked about that um, in the past, right, on this program. And really, when we talk about a topic like immunology, right, very complex field, um, even for those that study medicine, right, I can tell you that it is a complex, um, a complex domain, a complex field. And these are not just the fields that you can Google all day and walk away with a complete understanding of how it all works, especially when we talk about the nuances, right? The um, subtleties when it comes to things like vaccines, generating an immune response, the protection that is achieved from that, the risks and benefits of something like vaccinations and all the statistical 
uh, stuff behind it. This is really complex stuff that, um, although we can be informed, absolutely, right? The degree of understanding that we all take away, including myself, versus what a person, you know, like the renowned researcher Paul Offit, right? The developer of the rotavirus vaccine. He's on all news outlets talking about this stuff all day. Uh, I, we can't have the same understanding as him. And so there is a point where even me, as a physician, I have to trust, right? Um, there's a degree of trust that comes from a, a person like that that has studied this science um, the entirety of their career, where if they say, hey, this is safe, this is the data, this is where, where we have to, I have to weight that much higher than what might be coming from a person like Aaron Rodgers. Um, he, he's a great professional, right, in his domain. No one can tell him how to quarterback, <laughs> but um, when it comes to vaccine uh, effectiveness and safety, then I'm sorry, the Hall of Famer is going to be Paul Offit, right? That's who I want on my team. That's who I'm going to follow. Um, the advice of that, I'm going to run that play. Let's say that uh, we're going to come out of that huddle. <laughs> I'm following Paul Offit's play, not not uh, Aaron Rodgers. As far as airing it out, I'm going to start with uh, Rodgers, uh, right? I got to pick on him. I think we all chose a uh, celebrity that we're going to pick on, and not picking on them, but really just honing in on what they said and getting to the meat of the matter and trying to clear up the misconceptions. And so one of the things that came out of um, interviews even prior to what happened just a few days ago on the McAfee show, he had said at, at one point in, in a press conference months ago that he was quote unquote immunized. That's what Anastasia was referencing earlier. And, you know, unfortunately, I was like, wow, nobody asked follow up questions to that. But you know what it is when you think of the connotation, right, or the common understanding of a word like immunized, I think everybody, including myself, thinks you're getting a jab in the arm mm -hmm. or some, you know, you're being inoculated with a vaccine. I think that's what everybody that was the understanding that everybody took away from that in that press conference and nobody asked anything yeah. otherwise. Especially when that's the only thing that is approved by the FDA and recommended by the CDC to become immunized. When you say the word immunized, yeah. there's yeah, a reason we exactly. think vaccine. Or they already had COVID yeah. and they're within that three months that they can't get the vaccine mm -hmm. yet because they're, they're like, they just recovered from it. So like those are the only two. Does the FDA or the CDC recognize that as immune or immunized if you've had COVID in the past three months? No, the definition of immunized is that you've been inoculated with um, a vaccine, essentially. Mm -hmm. um, that is the sort of definition when we talk about um, whether you've been immunized or not, you've been inoculated, essentially, right, with a, with a, a vaccine, something that is going to stimulate or a medication or pharmacologic therapy that's going to stimulate an immune response. Which might be different, which might be different from what people think, because oh, what yeah. I said is definitely what people have told me mm -hmm. about, like, why they think they're immune to COVID and that they don't need the vaccine yet. And I'm like, OK, like, that's, I guess, your definition. But that's what I meant it as, not not yeah. what the yeah. CDC said, mm -hmm. no, no, no. which is a good point to clarify. So the thing is, right, there's um, a few ways in which you can become, quote unquote, immunized. Um, if you, when you think about and again, going back to the CDC's use of this term, the FDA, we're talking about administering shots to people. Now, you can generate a natural immunity, right, um, or natural protection from 
an infection with any, um, you know, nearly any microorganism, whether it's bacteria, virus, um, fungal infections, you can generate an immune response that will protect you from having future infections. Or even if you were to get infected, you would probably have a much milder um, course. There are still many studies, and actually going to get in more of this, of what Roger said, um, right? Because that was actually part of the stuff that he was getting out there as far as information about natural immunity being superior to vaccine-induced immunity, immunity. But there is a huge, huge difference. And when we talk about, yeah, being infected with SARS-CoV-2, you can develop an immune response um, and maybe theoretically be, quote-unquote, immunized. The other alternative, right, to be immune is to, again, be inoculated with something. Um, in this case, we what we talk about each and every week on the program on Health in Harlem is to have a vaccine administered, right, a COVID-19 or SARS-CoV-2 vaccine um, that will hopefully prevent infection entirely, right? And that is a total contrast, a big difference from acquiring the infection, having the illness, essentially, and then developing an immune response. Very big difference. Um, and so this is what everybody thought Aaron Rodgers meant, was that he had the vaccine-induced immunity. When we talk about what I think he might have meant and did not clarify was, right, um, maybe he had a, another an alternative therapy that, quote-unquote, made him immunized. And he actually went on to say that Yes, he gave um, there was something that sort of stimulated his immune system or antibody production, um, theoretically, because I don't think this was proven or shown the therapy that he probably <laughs> engaged in. Okay. Um, what I believe it was, I don't want to spread mis misinformation myself, um, but there are homeopathic alternatives. Um, one example, for instance, are no sodes. Um, so these are basically very, very, very dilute concentrations of a microorganism. It could be a bacteria. It could be a virus. Um, usually they are in the form of pellets. And these are administered by uh, homeopathic physicians or practitioners to individuals with the intention of stimulating an immune response, right? So rather than getting a jab, you're getting a pellet. Uh, but one thing that has been shown repetitively in the scientific literature is that this is not nearly um, as effective as the traditional vaccines, right? The jab in the arms that we typically get when we talk about uh, vaccination. Um, even in, in many controlled trials, randomized controlled trials, um, and even animal trials um, prior to that, this is not, uh, it's, it's inferior, essentially. Um, there was actually a study from 1999 in which they looked at Francisella uh, um, tularensis. Um, it causes a disease called tularemia, which can be deadly even in humans. And in these mice, they were given no sodes, um, essentially, versus actual vaccines against that illness. And 100% of the mice that received the vaccine were protected uh, versus only 22% in the group that got the no sodes, right? So that is a huge, huge difference. We're talking about a 78% difference um, there. Um, and that's clearly inferior, but many studies showing essentially um, the same thing.
when we talk about being immunized against COVID-19 and, you know, there's all sorts of people out there promoting different things, um, saying that if you take this pill or this herbal um, thing, it would stimulate an immune response. There's really no data behind that. That is just not true. I mean, even if you look at the uh, basic mechanisms on how vaccines work, right, how that immune response is stimulated, um, you can say it's impossible, right, with the some of the claims that people are making out there. Um, and so that's one thing that is just um, very misleading, right, because uh, on one hand, Aaron Rodgers is right. He could say, oh, yeah, I was immunized, right? Uh, but whatever he was administered was probably drastically inferior, if not completely ineffective, um, whatever it was that was administered to him uh, to stimulate quote unquote immunity. And I feel kind of bad for him too, because uh, for all we know, he might have had a quote unquote doctor um, or some homeopathic physician type person around him that he thought, you know, this is a reliable source. This person knows better than I am. Um, and then was, to, was given misinformation. Um, but I think that definitely goes to show the mm-hmm. same point Anastasia was making earlier, which is, you know, be very careful about what you're sharing with others, even if you may have heard, heard it from somebody you believe to be a reliable source. Um, one thing, too, that I wanted to sort of attack as well. I hate I don't want to say. All righty, I got to say attack, man, because I'm going to go in right now because, you know, another thing that uh, he actually mentioned, and this is something that's come up many times, um, even when we talk about the politics surrounding the vaccine, right, is that um, and and really our response as a society in dealing with all of this is this, again, natural immunity versus, right, vaccine induced immunity. And it actually came up during that interview where Rogers was saying, well, what's the point, right, of um, uh, having a vaccine? Right. When we talk about um, individuals that get the infection right going on to have pretty a pretty robust immune response to the point where they can have um, significant protection and not need the vaccine. And he actually referenced a study that was done um, in Israel uh, where that basically had these results um, really saying and this was in a preprint server um, that the natural immunity that individuals achieved right in Israel was actually superior to vaccine induced immunity. So individuals that had been uh, sick with COVID-19, sick as in right symptomatic with COVID-19. If you looked at this huge database that they have, um, that's the one thing about a a single payer system is that you can have these huge databases of patients. You can look at that data and really, uh, do research, right, to to figure out patterns that might be taking place. Essentially, they found that many individuals that had COVID-19 prior, if you compare them with groups that had been vaccinated, um, the individuals that were vaccinated that had breakthrough infections were more likely to, well, one, to have breakthrough infections and or wind up in the hospital, right, and have um, complications from the illness. Now, this was uh, what was reported sort of in that um, article. I mean, one thing, right, it's hard to dispute that. This is their registry, their database that they're looking at. Um, it is a retrospective um, analysis, and so it does have limitations. Uh, but this is something that, right, that Rogers put out there that was, quote unquote, true. However, there's a big difference. One thing that needs to be understood here is that 
when we talk about vaccine-induced immunity, the major point is to avoid, right, becoming infected in the, in the first place. That's one. And then, again, through this intervention, um, even if you were to have a breakthrough infection, you are protected, right, so that you are much less likely to have complications from the illness. Um, and one thing, too, that came up during that interview was that uh, he was saying, well, you know, uh, I was told by an NFL doctor that the vaccine is 100 percent protective. Right. If you get the vaccine, you can't get covid, which that was one thing in that interview that was totally false. Um, and even the NFL denies right, any knowledge of any physician um, and all of the staff physicians in the NFL said that nobody said this uh, to him because that's not true. That's just not true. Vaccines do not work in that way. You very well can get infected after being vaccinated. But the chances of you having complications, the many complications that we've talked about on on this show each and every week, the chances of you having those complications, um, especially with these vaccines, um, as they are very, very powerful and effective, the chances of you having a complication from the illness after a breakthrough infection is very, very small. Now, if you contrast that and think about, right, yeah, you can have a good immune response that can protect you after having COVID-19. But again, if you're going to go that route, <laughs> the natural immunity route, you are taking the risk of having COVID-19 period, right? That first time, which when you compare the risks of being vaccinated with the risks of having COVID-19 and thinking you're going to get some good immune response from it, well, you're taking the risk of developing, right? Um, Fatigue, tiredness, fevers, chills, headache. Um, worse than that, complications like pneumonia, kidney injury, longstanding uh, debilitation from lung disease, right? Chronic lung disease, long hauler syndrome, myocarditis, liver dysfunction, encephalitis, um, sinusitis. You want to throw that in there? No, some, um, there have been cases where people got their taste and smell back, but things are, Oh yeah. Not... Taste and smell. Yeah. There's some, yeah, there's like sommeliers out there and, and food critics that don't have their taste. Right. So their profession, their livelihood mm. is, is, um, affected yeah. by COVID. Right. And so the idea of having COVID pie parties. So let's say that this was true, right. That you can have a more robust immune response that leads to significantly, to, to more protection from a native infection versus the vaccine, you got to be willing to, right? Just as uh, one might be willing to take the risks of a vaccine, um, and these are very small risks when you compare them, um, because there are risks, just like with any medical intervention, is risks with vaccines. Um, but uh, if you're going to go to native infection route, thinking that you're going to get a nice, robust immune response, you got to be willing to take all of those other risks of COVID. And not just you, but the individuals around you, right? So if you could bring it home to your family, well, they're taking the risk with you, right? You might, uh, everybody might, uh, you know, hopefully everybody does well and generates a nice um, <laughs> immune response. When I got sick at the beginning of the pandemic, I feel like I was very fortunate in that my symptoms were mild um, and I did generate antibodies. But if I had a vaccine available at the start of this pandemic, Maurice Donovan Selby would have taken that vaccine knowing that I would be dealing with patients, right, that have this disease um, and that, one, I could get very, very ill and wind up in the same position uh, or worse, I could bring it to my family, right, and give it to them and they can wind up in the same position or really all of us could have 
those complications. I would have hands down with the data that we had last December from the initial um, emergency use authorization of the Pfizer vaccine, if I had the same information, natural immunity and the vaccine-induced immunity, I would have taken the vaccine. Why? Because the risks of getting COVID and having complications far outweigh the chances that we take with the vaccine. You stand to benefit much more from the vaccine. Yeah, definitely. And also to sort of loop back to what Mo was saying before about at some point, you sort of just have to have faith in, you know, the people above you who have done the research themselves um, and have faith in those public health institutions that are doing all this research on the vaccines that if immunity from vaccination was not robust enough to prevent you from getting COVID or uh, if you were to get COVID, prevent you from getting severe COVID, then they would do something more about it. And that sort of harkens back to what we've seen them doing with uh, all these different changing recommendations on booster shots and all that continued research into everybody that's gotten the vaccine. Um, so you have to you have to trust that these people are looking out for you and mm-hmm. that what they're recommending will be sufficient enough to immunize you properly. The Israeli report, first of all, I think that when it first started becoming a huge thing, because I remember that it was buzzing around in the so, in the social media spheres, it wasn't peer-reviewed at the time. Um, there's also the fact that the study itself also said that you do benefit from being vaccinated. So that's something that a lot of times got left out, um, is that the study found even greater immunity against the Delta variant for people who got a single shot of Pfizer vaccine and had an infection with a novel coronavirus that caused COVID-19. And that's something that a lot of people forgot to mention, because I remember reading the part that you, that, what's his name? Rogers. Yeah. He mentioned, he mentioned, um, when you were, that you mentioned earlier, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes, sometimes, misinformation can become disinformation very easily that is um, true. especially in situations like this because i remember reading this uh, looking at that study and i'm like yes okay but like you also have to look at the sample sizes yes. whenever you're looking at any sort of um paper you have to look at the statistical mm-hmm. analysis used you have to look at how many people were in were being studied and etc cetera, etc cetera, and also come to your conclusions of how much of a grain of salt you have to take with whatever mm-hmm. they found as a result um because again there isn't i mean like even statistics is not perfect all the time but the fact that they didn't mention the other part that the study wrote is that you do benefit from getting the vaccine for me is a little bit like you you said half of the picture and it's the half that you wanted to say kind of situation and it very that's that's actually very true in that study they did mention uh the researchers uh, did say that the individuals that did have COVID-19 that were infected with COVID-19 in the past that did generate an immune response when they did have um, either one or two doses, right? But even after one dose, they had a significantly bigger response, right? So it's even better if you had COVID before and you got through that once, um, right? and you generated an immune response, you still benefit from getting the vaccine. You, it's, it's like adding right extra armor um, at very little cost, too, <laughs> at very little risk. I mean, you already had the risk with COVID. You made it through that, thank God. And now just with a little bit further, right, you can get another boost that gives you significantly more protection 
Um, and so right now I feel like Superman, honestly, uh, walking around because <laughs> I had uh, not just COVID, but I had um, and generated antibodies for that because I had my blood uh, drawn. And but I, I actually got vaccinated. Right. And I even got my booster. So Me I'm too. like, I got my booster, too. Uh, I feel like a beast right now, but I'm still being careful, you know. I'm still being careful, but you're right, absolutely right in that. That's only half the story. And I will add before we move on, really quick, that the CDD, the CDC actually debunked that whole thing, right? And remember, that was a retrospective study. In a prospective study, uh, the CDC actually found that individuals uh, that were not uh, vaccinated that had prior um, antibodies from a prior infection, um, they were 2.54 times more than two times more likely to end up. Um, hospitalized or having complications from COVID-19 compared to individuals that were never infected and were vaccinated. I mean, you can believe what you want to believe, but the data, right, is clear and that the vaccines for really everyone are very effective and safe. I like the fact that the CDC went out of their way to look at this um, because there have been like Reed, for example, mentioned how the link between vaccines and autism, even though it's completely false and everything and was proven wrong countless of times is still going around because of that paper that was published back then. And then even though, yeah, even though they reacted, rejected it and they like got rid of it and they proved that it was wrong, it's still there. So the fact that the CDC went, went on it and was like, wait a minute kind of situation and actually did their own research and figured out their and did their own analysis and everything and kind of figured out what exactly you know was the reality because retrospective means that all of this is in the past you're looking at old data and prospective means that you're looking at it as it's going on right now so there that difference as well as figuring out what's really going on using our own population which is different from the population in Israel because we all have different lifestyles, different amount of stress, et cetera, et cetera. Like we're not the same country. That to me is like, is a good thing. Like good job, CDC. I don't, I don't say that a lot, but good job for this. <laughs> oh yeah. They don't play around. Air it out. Um, it's something we've talked about before on the show. If you are a loyal health and Harlem listener um, is Nicki Minaj and what she tweeted somewhat recently um, I think about her cousin's friend in Trinidad uh, got the vaccine, and because of that, he his uh, testicles became swollen, and uh, due to that, he became impotent. And so she sort of said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna try not to get the vaccine. Um, you never know what the side effects could be, etc." Uh, and I think it's important to touch on this because this is something that there. I don't think any other known cases of in regards to the vaccine out of how many millions of people have been vaccinated. Totally just a personal anecdote that's absolutely hearsay. Uh, and it, it got a ton of traffic uh, and it had a lot of people questioning whether vaccines were also going to make them impotent, especially in the context of, I remember like very early on in the pandemic, there was a lot of uh, pregnant women or women who uh, weren't pregnant, but maybe wanted to later in life, wondering about whether the vaccine would affect their fertility. And so the links, there's no link, ladies and gentlemen, that there's, right, and there's still stuff that crops up today that I see where there's like, oh, well, they, you know, somebody said that there's a link between infertility or you see other celebrities that are putting it out there, like, I'm being careful because I want to have children. Uh, and it comes out in different ways or manifests in different ways, this sort of concern about fertility 
um, a lot of times in women, but we've seen it with men as well. And especially specifically talking about that case um, mm -hmm. with the whole incident with Nicki Minaj. But there are no links, ladies and gentlemen. All of the research that has been done now and um, countless, I don't want to say countless, but there are so much evidence that that is not the case at this time as far as this association. Whether you are uh, vaccinated, unvaccinated, um, women's fertility rates, their rates of conception have been the same in these groups that have been studied, um, even for couples that are undergoing fertility treatments, right? And um, having assistance with conceiving, uh, those couples um, in, again, prospective studies have been shown to have the same rates of successful, right, conception uh, of children. And so th th that's one thing that is just categorically false right now, um, this sort of link between or perceived link between fertility uh, or risks of fertility and the vaccine. So let's put it to bed. It's done, right? We aired it out. There's nasty information out there. Uh, we got to move on. But you heard it on this program, just as you probably heard it elsewhere. And that is the truth. We're going to speak it to fruition, right? Um, I guess we just got to shout louder than all these other voices, but no confirmed link up to this point. So what do you got for us, Anastasia? Yeah, there's a long list, but I guess for tonight, um, next time we air it out, I got someone already in mind. So we'll, we're going to go back to this. Um, but for tonight, Ooh. I'm going to mention this actor from um, Atlanta. Yeah. The show Atlanta. Which... I, I just started. Yeah, I think he's from California. Yeah, I know. I just started recently. Yeah. Lakeith Stanfield. Um, he made an Instagram post uh, on October, in the beginning of October, where he's like, your medical decisions are your business, capital, your business. Everybody isn't entitled to those decisions just because we live in a scary time. Uh, where do I start? <laughs> um, so... Yes. Okay. In the sense, in the phrasing is like your medical decisions are your business. This is true, right? We don't, I we agree. don't want to put things that harm us and everything else. Um, but, and then he's like, everybody isn't entitled to those decisions just because we're living in a scary time. Even though he wasn't directly talking about the vaccine and everything, he made it sound as though like, like you are going to be forced to do something you don't want to do and stuff like that. And it, for me, there's a few things that are wrong. Um, not that I'm wrong, but like, I really don't like what he did. Um, first of all is the timing, right? It was posted in the beginning of October. That was around the time where we're starting to see cities transition into saying like, you need to be vaccinated to be in certain places, et cetera, et cetera. The second thing I didn't really like about this message that he pointed, that he like said, um, on a now deleted Instagram post is that he's actually vaccinated. So I'm like, Facts. how are you? indirectly saying that oh like you shouldn't be vaccinated or like you don't need the vaccine kind of things like that but you're you got the two jabs or the one jab whichever got whichever vaccine you got like to me this falls a little bit more of the category of disinformation more than misinformation and it was interesting because there was a, a fan of his that um actually wrote nobody's forcing you to do it kind of situation um, and then he responded, he's like, I know, and I want to provide some balance on this issue because I think that people are sometimes being violent to people on the other side and I'm vaccinated. I'm not telling people what to do, 
but respect people and do your part respectfully. Well, that's the thing. And this is where what, what I took issue with the whole statement um, and a couple of the I, statements that he's made along these lines is that he's turning essentially, <laughs> I'm going to get flack for this. I know it because there's people that are pretty, even family members of mine that are pretty uh, passionate about this, right? They're, they're fired up about this whole, about the mandates, right? Let's just put it out there. We're talking about mandates. That's the thing that we're talking about. Uh, but essentially, I do feel like, and this is part of me saying I feel this way, but I think there is definitely truth to this in that nobody, there's definitely truth to this. Nobody is being forced, right? I have yet to see a person that was held down in a needle forcibly jabbed into their arm. Uh, you can say coerced. You can say persuaded, right? Uh, because of certain motivations, huh? But not forced. You can't say forced. You yeah. are still making a decision for yourself. That is one thing. Uh, and, and it really coming from a, a personality, because um, I actually love Lakeith Stanford. I love all the films he's in. I think he's a tremendously talented actor. Um, and I will continue to watch his show. I'm not boycotting you, uh, Mr. Stanfield. But I will have to say, and I just have to sit, put out a rebuttal because nobody's being forced. Nobody's being forced. Even with a close, my family member had this, and we didn't have a falling out, but we, I, I told him we have to agree to disagree because nobody is forcing this on anyone. Now, the, the thing that is on the table, right, is that because of vaccination status, and one thing we've talked about in this program was that you're not just doing this for yourself. You are doing this for those around you as well, whether you like it or not. Um, and so uh, when we talk about um, individuals being in public with a communicable disease, mm -hmm. especially something as contagious as COVID in general, but, the, but we talk about things like the Delta variant, which is even more contagious than the original uh, variants, right? I'm sorry, but... If I'm going to go out and dine with my wife and I'm going to be out with friends, let's say, at a ball game or whatever I'm doing in public, uh, to have the comfort, right, the peace of mind, knowing that people around me have protected themselves and are protecting others via vaccination, right? I, I personally, right, I feel like I took the risk of being vaccinated, right? Um so there's risks, as we said, allergic reactions, very, very small risk, but there's a risk. Myocarditis. I'm a young man. I consider myself a young man. Maybe not Anastasia. You but, are a young <laughs> but, man. So, right, but that's the highest risk group uh, for myocarditis, right? These young men, especially like 18 to 25. Um, but I took that risk, right, um, of potentially developing maybe myocarditis because this is maybe an association that we might see with the vaccines. Uh, the mRNA vaccines in particular, right? So I took that small risk, super small. It's like hitting a lotto, but I took the risk. Um, I took the, even the, the discomfort of the jab and feeling like crap for 24 to 36 hours after three shots. So Maurice Donovan Selby, I'm sorry, I feel entitled to be out and about, maybe even maskless, right? Because my chances of getting the infection, one are significantly lower, um, substantially lower than those that are not vaccinated, um, and even if I get it right, even though I might even carry the same uh, the same amount of virus as a person that was not vaccinated, I'm still much less likely to spread it because I will likely be less symptomatic than the individual that's unvaccinated. And uh, on top of that, 
I'm not going to the hospital, right? Because the vast majority, and I'm telling you this from firsthand experience, the vast majority of people um, in hospitals, and we're talking in excess of like 95, 99% of them are unvaccinated folks. But the point that I'm making is that, right, we took this risk as vaccinated people, we took that risk. And so to be able to go to work, right, to go and enjoy life as we, for the most part, previously have known it, um, you are entitled to be out there. And that's the thing is, is nobody's forcing the jab into your arm. Uh, what they're saying is, hey, you know, you have a choice to make. You get the vaccine and you pay to play or you don't want to play. You stay home or find another job or find another restaurant to frequent uh, or somebody that allows unvaccinated people to do. Yeah. Or get out of the city. I mean, it sucks. I mean, and you can say, I mean, this is definitely, right, the, the mandates. It forces people to look at this in a different light. And I hate people have to sort of go back and forth. But the data supports this. Uh, from a societal standpoint in terms of protecting individuals, but also protecting society, right? And getting us back to normal because we're not even going to get into the indirect consequences of this pandemic. I mean, it's, it's, I feel like, um, uh, Lakeith just, uh, put out a straw man argument with this post. It's like, I feel like a part of it's also diverting atten attention to where it needs to go. Like no one's questioning your bodily autonomy, right? Like there are rules and regulations and you choose how to follow them. Um, for example, it's not like, like, I feel like the only time that you have to like be sure that you're fully vaccinated is like when you're trying to go to school, like you can't go to school without being fully vaccinated. Um, no one to makes you take those booster shots. But that was that was also the case before the COVID vaccine yeah. and yeah. COVID pandemic. In order yeah. to work where what to do what I do as a physician, every place that I get credentialed to work in a hospital, um, I have to show proof of vaccination. This is prior to COVID, right? Not even that. Um, it's hepatitis like, what B, first grade. <laughs> uh, men meningococcal vaccines, MMR, the measles, mumps, rubella, the Tdap. I had to get shot up with all of that stuff in order to work. In order to work to take care of people. Part of the reason for that is because they don't want me breathing on you and giving you meningococcemia, right? I just went and did a lumbar puncture for a patient that has meningitis from um, meningococcus, right? Um, do you want me breathing that onto you? But um, just to everybody out there, we just want to say that, you know, as much as we admire these people for their talents, for their contributions to society in terms of the arts, in terms of entertainment, um, they're valuable, right? They got us through the crisis in the thick of it when you had to stay your behind home because there was no vaccine, right? They got us through. So I thank these individuals um, and continue to respect them. I think sometimes, though, they can say things and do things that can that can be harmful, especially when we talk about misinformation. And we need to be aware of that, right? We can't just blindly follow these people. Um, because of their renown and their reputation, their talents and expertise in their fields. Um, yeah, we could follow Paul Offit. I'll listen to him. He's a celebrity, right? Vaccine um, specialist. I look at him as a celebrity. He's like on every talk show, always saying the same thing, um, talk, really championing vaccines. So you know what? I'll listen to Paul Offit. Am I going to listen to him when he picks the Super Bowl? Uh, contenders? Nah, probably not. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how much of a football fan he is, but I'm 
or fantasy football. Now nah, probably take somebody else's advice, um, not Paul Offit. But what I'm saying is right. Um, the advice coming from some of these celebrities and um, weighing in on some of these topics, we have to be real careful with that information. And that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Sorry to talk you guys' ear off, but it is a radio talk show. So that's what we do on <laughs> Health in Harlem. We all have our own megaphones, right? Some reach more people than others, but we all have the responsibility to help each other out by spreading accurate information um, in order for us to move forward. Also, Loki, though, like, I love my celebrities. Don't get me wrong. Like, fund the arts all the way just as much as we fund everything else. I feel like everyone should get more funding, like every single field, especially the arts, because that's what made it through for all of the the biggest height of the pandemic. Um, We all turned to our comforts, which was various, most of us, various forms of art. So I'm not saying like, you know, like these people should be canceled or anything. I just think that one of the things about freedom of speech is that what you say will have consequences and it is up to you how you deal with those consequences. And most of the time when you are being called out because you said something problematic or you were incorrect about something, it is an opportunity for you to grow and to expand yourself and the wisdom that you have. So like, I love it when my friends call me out and say, no, you're wrong or no, this, this doesn't sound right. Or you could have phrased this better because I look at it and I'm like, oh, okay, let me take this opportunity to get better so that I don't make this mistake again and don't harm the audience I have personally um, with something that's incorrect or something that I could have hmm. said much better to express myself better. Got it. No, I'm with you on that. Ladies and gentlemen, um, as always, we thank you for tuning in. We also want to thank you in advance for sharing um, the information that you've learned, sharing health in Harlem, um, telling people even about WHCR, just really everything that we're all doing. Um, share it, please. And thank you for tuning in. We also want to thank Tina Dixon and Angela Hardin at WHCR. as um, They are our general manager and producer and, and production manager. Um, just doing a major job making sure that everything is on air. We also want to thank the rest of our team. I want to thank Reed and Anastasia for joining us tonight. Shout out to the rest of the Health and Harlem team and family. And ladies and gentlemen, as we say each and every week, this show is dedicated to the memory of Miss Gloria Thomas. Harlem, take care of yourself.